You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. You know how when some people visit your house, um, visit where you live, or visit something that you're really grateful for, you like to give them a tour of things, right? You want to show them around so they can see. Uh, what it is that forms your life, right? Like what it is that's special to you, the pictures of your grandbabies on the walls or your moms or dads or your wedding pictures or whatever the case may be. We let them see our halls and our living rooms and our kitchens and all these things. And if you don't do that, then good on you. We're going to do that this morning. We're going to take a tour of the kingdom of God. So here's what we're going to do. I want to just look at scriptures. I want you to see something. We're going to talk about what you see. I'm going to trust the Spirit to unearth our hearts and open our eyes. So be with me because this is important. And I think this is arguably more important than anything I could preach because we're just going to let the Scripture speak. I'll give a little context to each one because there's always a danger in isolating verses. There's always a danger in isolating verses. What did you just hear me say? Yeah, that, that's important because there's always a danger in isolating verses. I'm going to keep on saying that, right? So, so I've looked at contexts. Um, of these things to make sure these things are getting applied in a way that I understand to be faithful to the text, but it is your responsibility to do the same. So Jesus, here we go. Mark 1, verse 14 to 15. Just make sure we're all awake. Let's read it together. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your lives and hearts, our hearts and lives, and trust this good news. <laughs> My dyslexia is kicking in this morning. All right, so, so what's Jesus' message? Come on, what's his message? Okay, change your lives. That's a part, that's an implication of the message. What's his message? That's an implication of his message. What's his message? The good news is here. The good news is here. That's his message. His message is the good news is here. Change your hearts and lives is the implication of his message. Do you see the difference? The message is, the good news is, be like somebody walking in the church building saying, I'm here, and it's not having room, which is clearly not the case right now. And then we'd have to say, scoot over so I can have a seat. Scooting over so they can have a seat is an implication of them first off saying, I'm here. The good news is his message. But what good news? What's another word for good news? One word begins with a G, ends with an L. Gospel, yes. Has an O-S-P-E in the middle. Yes, gospel. Gospel is another word for good news. But what is the good news? What is specifically the good news? Look at the text. Read it slowly. What's specifically the good news? That the kingdom is here. That the kingdom is here. Okay, by the way, my voice is going to crack a lot because Auburn played football last night and I'm married to Allison. Um, so if you don't know what that means, you'll learn that over the next 12 weeks because my voice will be cracking a lot because my wife yells a lot. And in order to talk over my wife, my son and I have to yell. All right, so just know that I mean, we are yelling at the game too, but she's yelling more than we are, and we're a little scared, admittedly. So that's where we are. So my voice is cracking. So it's the good news. It's the good news that God's kingdom is here. What does it mean that God's kingdom is here? Well, that's what we're going to look at because this was Jesus' gospel. What is the one thing Jesus, if you've gone to theology school, don't answer. What is the one thing that Jesus preached about more than anything else, anything at all? What's the one thing? Huh? Nope, not love. Not money. That was the second thing. Money and economics was the second thing. Did you know that? That money and economics was the second thing that Jesus preached about more than anything else. Did you know that? Fascinating. The Bible's fascinating. What's the one thing he preached about more than anything else? The kingdom of God. 
Over 144 times at least, Jesus speaks about the kingdom. Not love. Jesus doesn't speak about love more than anything else. And Jesus loves. And that's what he spoke about more than anything else. He spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, here's my question for all of us as Christians. What is the one thing we speak about most when we talk about Christianity? Probably not the kingdom of God. We talk about love, which is great. We probably never like to talk about money. That's getting all up in our biscuits. My grandma used to say. It's the kingdom of God. All right, so let's do this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus is in the wilderness. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I'll give you all these things if you bow down and worship to me. What do you see in that text right there? Just this, I'll give you, what do you see? Okay, all the kingdoms. Who said he'll give them to Jesus? The devil said, I'll give them to you. What does that tell you? That the devil has sway over the kingdoms of the world, including ours. USA, Europe, China. I know we don't like to admit that, but theologically, biblically, the devil has sway. That's why Paul said the powers and principality. Well, we'll look at that in a minute. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has the king, but even Jesus said the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Jesus called him the ruler of the sage in the book of John at least two times. Notice that Jesus doesn't argue with them. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, check yourself. You don't have them. What is Jesus' response instead? Go away, because it's written, you'll worship the Lord your God. Serve Him only. The devil left Him and angels came and took care of Him. The thing is, is we miss that, man. We miss the influence that the enemy, whatever that means, the principalities and powers, have over the world. All right, so... Paul would say then, to kind of help strengthen this for us, finally be strengthened by the Lord and His power for strength. Put on God's armor so that you may make a stand against the tricks of the devil. Is that what the devil was doing to Jesus in that story? Tricking him, right? We aren't fighting against human enemies. What's that say again? Let's read it again. We aren't fighting against human enemies. Let's read it one more time. We aren't fighting against human enemies. Do we have human enemies? Yes. But who are we not fighting against? Them. Human enemies. What are we fighting against? Now, he's talking to Christians, right? He's talking to churches. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against what? Rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. We're fighting against systems. Say systems. Institutions even. Say institutions. And then cosmic forces somehow. Say that. Cosmic forces Somehow, you don't have to say somehow. But we're fighting against something more than what we often think we're fighting against. It's weird. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on the evil day. And after you've done everything possible, to still stand. So, go back to Jesus. Let's read it. Verse 1. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, you'll notice Matthew uses the language kingdom of heaven, and the rest of the Gospels use the language kingdom of God. Heaven is the location of the kingdom. It's from where the kingdom originates. It's not where it is. It's from where, it's like the kingdom of Rome, right? Like, so if you're in, you know, I don't know, Perga, and it's a part of the kingdom of Rome, it's, it's part of the kingdom of Rome because it's where the kingdom originates. 
So Jesus is locating the origin of the kingdom in Matthew, which makes sense because Matthew is writing the Jews, and Jews need to know from where the kingdom is coming. You with me so far? You with me? Come on, I got, I got self-esteem issues this morning. I need some nonverbals. We good? All right. All right, so what's Jesus' message? Repent because why? Kingdom of God is here. Kingdom of God is heaven. It's come near. Come near means at hand. At hand means in front of you. Now, Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching what? The good news of what, though? Of the kingdom. Come on now, I need you to see it. The Bible is very clear for those who like to hear what the Bible says. And Jesus is preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, that the reign and the rule of God is being made available to all people now. That God's love and His righteousness and His presence and His reign and His rule and all that that entails, His provision, that all of that now is made available. That's good news. It's all made available because Rome's holding out on you, right? Like that's, that's, think about the context. Is Jesus preaching to a privileged people or oppressed people, by the way? Say it with me, oppressed peoples. Jesus is preaching to oppressed peoples, Jews living under the reign of Rome. He's not preaching to privileged people like us. We're not under the reign of anybody in that sense, in that same way. He's preaching to a people who are oppressed by others. It's occupied territory. And Jesus is saying, the good news for you is that this reign and this rule of God with all of its love and provision has been made available. It's now, it's here. It's here. When the crowds found out, they followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about what? Say it with me. The kingdom of God. And what did he do? He healed those. So Jesus heals people. He touches people. Why? Why is he healing people? Because he's love? Yes. But Hebrews tells us the reason why Jesus is doing these things out of love is to demonstrate that he really is the one who has the authority to say what? The kingdom of God is near. We'll say that again. Jesus is doing these miraculous things. Yes, out of love and compassion but also to demonstrate to everyone that when he says the kingdom of God has come, he has authority to say it. Otherwise, he's a loon. Otherwise, he's just some weird dude running around talking about how the kingdom of God has come. So then Jesus, knowing that this is real for people, starts to get practical, right? Out of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, don't worry about, don't worry and say, say it with me, what are we going to eat? Or, what are we going to drink? Or, that's right. Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Don't worry, but seek first, what? The kingdom of God and His what? You know what the word righteousness means, right? Anybody know? It means justice. That's what it means. It means social rightness. It means living rightly with God and neighbor. So if you want to have all you need, pray harder. Is that what it says? Study the Bible more. Is that what it says? If you want to have all you need, seek first, not second, not third, not last, first, the reign of God in your life. And His justice. 
Not the world's justice. Fred, why do you always talk about justice? Because Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his justice. I want us to have all we need. I'm your pastor. I'm one of your pastors. I want you to have all you need. So God to call us to these things all the time. It's there in the Bible. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His justice, and all these things will be provided for you. Think about it. If day faith is seeking God's reign in his life and I'm seeking God's reign in my life and, my, and his justice and Dave's seeking his justice and Dave's in need and I'm in, or, or, and I'm in need and Dave's not in need, but he's seeking God's reign in his life and he sees me in need and the Bible tells him that the reign of God is made evident when Dave steps in and fills my needs, then does that mean I'm provided for? Yes, and who provided for me? God, why? Because Dave is obedient to God who through Dave, God provides. You see how this works? But if Dave decides not to seek first God's reign, which he does all the time, and if he decides to disobey, if he decides that it's on Fred, Fred did this to himself, what happens to Fred? I don't have. That's how it works. People always say, why is there so much hunger in the world? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's because maybe the church isn't as generous as we could be. Because God's got enough food in the world, we're just eating a lot of it. See, we don't like to hear that, right? I get that. Because we all want to come to church and feel good about ourselves. And we can, that's the thing. This is all about you being a child of the king. You're a child of the king. What else do you need? Seriously, what else do you want? You have Jesus. You have Jesus. He is yours. You are his. It's the beautiful thing. It's the beautiful thing. So Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Because it's easy to start thinking we're self-sufficient rather than in need of God's sufficiency. This isn't, a, this isn't a, a, a whack at wealth. This is a whack of our tendency to trust in ourselves and our own ability to get things done. That's how I read it. So as you go, Jesus said to his disciples, proclaim what? Read it. So what should be the church's message? Go to heaven when you die. If you lied, you're going to hell. And the good news is Jesus saved you from hell. And in some of our theologies, Jesus has saved you from God himself, which is weird. Think about that. It just doesn't. But think about it. Think about it. What's our message? What should be our message? Come on. Kingdom of God has come. I know that you feel that your life is hopeless, and I know that you feel you don't have what you need. The good news for you is Jesus is king, and we're citizens of his kingdom, and he has everything you need, and we're going to demonstrate that through our generosity. I know that you feel that everybody else has abandoned you and that what you have done is unforgivable. And that you've broken every law of your heart. The good news for you is that Jesus is king of a kingdom that has a law of grace and a law of love. And we are citizens of that kingdom, so we want to proclaim to you your forgiveness. See how that works? That's how that works. I know that you feel like nobody loves you and everybody has abandoned you and you're lost on everybody else. The good news for, 
The good news is, man, that God is the king of a kingdom that's never going to be shaken and as citizens of his kingdom, and he is over all things. We just want to come to you and say that we know as believers, our king, you are not lost on him. And we're going to demonstrate that by making sure you know you're not lost on us. That's how it works. I think. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. This is the parable of the sower and the seed, my least favorite thing in all the Bible. I do not like this teaching of Jesus because it confuses me. Because it tells me that everybody's going to hear the word and some are just not going to make it. And that makes me, like that breaks my heart because that means people in this room. Every week we're going to hear a word from God. And some of us every week are just going to let it fall to the ground. And that makes me sad. So no, I never have liked this teaching. That Jesus is Lord. So he says, Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back. It's fit for the kingdom of God. So these are the hard teachings of the kingdom. You can't split allegiances. You can't leave one kingdom for the kingdom of God and look back longing for the other kingdom. You know who did that, right? What's the story in Scripture of people who did that? What's the story? It goes all the way back, the very beginning-ish. Not the very, very beginning. Yeah, the Israelites. Oh, Lot's wife, yeah, yeah. You'll turn into salt. That's encouraging. No, it was Israelites, remember? They get delivered from Egyptian slavery and captivity. It gets hard, and what do they want? They want to go back. To what they knew, even though they were making bricks as slaves, they wanted to go back to what they knew. I tell you, man, we hear words about the kingdom of God and all the summons that it requires in our lives because of all that's been given to us. We've received, we've received the kingdom of God as people. Like we've received God. And then God says, now live a particular way because you've received me as your king. And then we're like, mm -hmm. it's a, that's what Jesus, Jesus is saying. Just don't. Don't do that. You're not going to be fit for the kingdom of God, not because you're out of shape, but because you can't hold on to one thing and hold on to the other without ripping yourself in two. It's a tug of war of your heart, and it will rip your heart in half. Jesus says, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. What? Your kingdom come. So are our prayers, let me ask you something. Are our prayers shaped with a desire for the kingdom of God to manifest itself? When I prayed this prayer with the gun violence, you heard my prayer. Lord, make your presence known. May your kingdom come. Let the rain come. I'm not asking Jesus to return. I mean, I'm down with that. But I'm asking that his reign be made known. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, because, you know, they're looking for chariots and horses and, and, and swords and bows and arrows. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. Now, keep in mind, they're looking for bows and arrows and horses and swords and armies. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for David's kingdom to come. And Jesus says, it's not what you think it is. No one will say, see here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is what? It's in your midst. 
So where's the kingdom of God right now? To your right, to your left, in your front, in your back, above and below you. Oh my Lord, praise be to God, you are surrounded by the reign of Christ. Why are you scared? Don't be. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid, but don't be fearful. Then he said to them, Jesus, truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until you see, until they see the kingdom of God come in power. Why did I list this? Because I know some of us struggle theologically what it means for the kingdom to go, the kingdom hadn't come. Here's the thing. What Jesus is saying, some of you won't die when the king, until, well, let me see. Some of you will not die until you see the kingdom of God come in power. He's talking about Pentecost when the kingdom of God came in power. Those guys were alive. Here's what I'm trying to simply say. The kingdom of God has come. Hence Jesus saying it was in your midst. Has it come in its fullness yet? The answer is no. Everybody say no. The kingdom is here, but not yet fully. Say already here, not yet fully. The kingdom of God is already here, already, but not yet fully. When will it come fully? When Christ comes. But is the kingdom come now? According to the Christian tradition, yes, but not yet fully. Truly, I tell you, I no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Well, has the kingdom of God come? Yes. So where is Jesus when we drink the fruit of the vine? He is with us in some sort of mysterious way. In the bread, in the cup, I don't know. Not really clear on that. Church has been split on that idea. But I wasn't raised to believe that he was present. I was raised to believe these were merely symbols. And his presence got missed by the symbolism of it all. But in some mysterious way, Jesus is literally with us in the drinking and the eating of the bread and the cup of the Eucharist. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. If you don't know where Jesus is all week long, for real, if you don't know where he is all week long, where can you find him? At the table. Oh, at the table. If you can't find Jesus anywhere, you find him at the table. Do you believe him? Like, I'm not going to call him a liar. I trust he's at the table. And you're welcome there. So after Jesus had suffered, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about what? Just trying to drive it home, right? The kingdom of God. And when they believed, Acts 8, now Jesus is ascended, He's Lord and King, um, reigning and ruling with God the Father at the right hand. The church has been moving forward. Philip, a deacon. When they, when they believed Philip, then has He proclaimed the good news about what? What was Philip preaching? Philip was preaching the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ. What's the word Christ mean? What's the word Christ mean? It's not His last name, remember? Like anointed one, which means Messiah. And Messiah is the Jewish word for what? King, just like Pharaoh's the Egyptian word for king. And Caesar's the Roman word for king. Christ is the Jewish word for king. So Philip is not only preaching the kingdom of God, he's also preaching the name of Jesus that he is king. Now what? No, come on. What problem does this present when you live in Rome? Caesar's king. But what are you saying? 
Jesus is king. What do you think happened to Philip? He got killed. Why? Because he kept saying, Jesus is king when Caesar wanted to be king. Caesar was saying, I'm the chosen one. And the church was saying, we already got one, bro. Can't play around with that. Right? Like, that's real. So after they had preached the gospel in the town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch and strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in their faith and by telling them, here's the part we don't like. Read it with me. I don't like this either, so just we'll read it together with this, with, with you know, disagreements in our hearts. It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Like, I mean, I'm not excited about that. I don't wake up every day going, woohoo, bring it on. But what do we know about being a citizen of the kingdom of God and the world of other empires? It's going to be hard. When they had appointed elders of them in the church, and every church had prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Acts 19 about Paul in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Paul entered the synagogue. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months, arguing and persuading them about what? The kingdom of God. The response to Paul's message, right? The arranging, after arranging a day with Paul, many came to him in his lodging. He was in prison, but in a house prison. From dawn to dusk, he, Paul, expounded and testified about what? The kingdom of God. He tried to do what? Persuade them, not coerce them, not manipulate them, persuade them about Jesus. From what, though? From the Bible. From the Hebrew Scriptures. Acts 28, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming what? The kingdom of God. Teaching about the Lord Jesus as King. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus King. The Lord King Jesus. With all what? Boldness. So what's this kingdom of God about? Well, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but what? Justice. What else? Peace. What else? And joy. You know the word for joy means? It means contentment. It means satisfaction. Peace is wholeness. Justice is rightness. The kingdom of God cannot look at an unjust world and turn a blind eye. The kingdom of God cannot see gun violence and not pray about it the next Sunday. The kingdom of God can't see uh, homelessness and despair or sadness or addiction. The kingdom of God can't see hunger. The kingdom of God can't see thirst. The kingdom of God can't see broken relationships. The kingdom of God can't see people fighting with each other and not enter in and want something more. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, adultery, sorceries, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and then this is Paul's sort of catch-all. And anything similar. I think Paul gets tired of writing words. It's like anything that's like this. Right? I'm warning you about these things as I warned before, and this is sad, that those who practice, say the word practice. That's the key, practice. Those who practice such things will not what? But the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence of the kingdom of God. The evidence of the kingdom of God in God's people is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against these things. Now those who belong to King Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also what? Keep in step with the Spirit. How are we stepping? Because you know what? Paul said, let's read it. The kingdom of God is not a matter of what? Talk, but a power. You can go to Bible studies till your head explodes. But at the end of the day, the kingdom of God is not about talk, but about what? Power. Because He has rescued us from the reign of darkness or domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, right? Where do you live? Come on, tell me. Where do you live? Yes, the kingdom of God. That's the right answer. Where do you live? The reign of God. Where's your citizenship? The kingdom of God. Who are, who's, your, <laughs> who's your father? Who's your father? The God. I almost said, who's your daddy? Who's your father? Who's your dad? The king. The God. Who's your Lord? King Jesus. Where's your identity? As a child of the king. Now, I know this is weird. I knew, I know it's weird, but if somebody said, where do you live? I know it's weird, but think about what it would be like. If somebody says, where do you live? You'd be like, kingdom of God. Like, first off, they wouldn't ask you any more questions, right? Like, they'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> like, like, freak, you know? But think about, like, think about that. Like, what if that was your, what if you had to stop yourself from saying that, because it would sound weird, but your impulse was to say that? I'm just asking you to think about that. What if that was your impulse? What if that was my impulse? Who are you, child of the king? What if that was our impulse? But he says to his son, God, your throne is forever and your kingdom scepter is a rod of what? You loved what? And hated what? Lawless behavior. Because what does lawless behavior create? Injustice. Lawless behavior creates injustice. That is why God, your God, has anointed you more than your companions with the oil of joy. This is a prophetic text about Jesus' kingship. Therefore, since we are receiving what? Okay, so what are we receiving? Come on, y'all got to act like y'all awake. What are we receiving? So what is currently breaking into your life? The kingdom, the reign of God. Where Are your hands open? Because what is God trying to give you every day you wake up? The kingdom. So you wake up in the morning, you put your feet on the floor. What does God say? God says, good morning, here's the kingdom. Seriously, I want you to imagine like that. You wake up every morning and God is saying, I can't wait to give you more kingdom. I can't wait for you to know more of my reign today. I can't wait for you to know more of what it means for me to be your king. It's going to be so much fun today. And then he's like, you know, you're going to have a hard day. There's going to be some hard moments, though. Like, you know, God's not, there's going to be some hard times. But, but I'm going to be, I'm rec you're receiving the kingdom. The question for you and I is, are our hands open? Are our hands open? Are our hearts open? Are our minds open? Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that can't be what? Shaken. Every other kingdom is going to shake. The kingdom of God going to shake? No. Let's continue to express our gratitude. Are we grateful? 
And with this gratitude, let us serve in a way that is pleasing to God with respect and awe because our God really is a consuming fire. So now let's go out, go to him, Jesus, outside the camp bearing his shame. You know what that means, right? You're going to be weird. You just are going to be weird. You're going to be weird when you hold to the ethics and the politics of Jesus as Lord. When you say love your enemies in a world that blows them up, you're going to be weird and perceived as weak and nonsensical and illogical. When you give to someone who's in need, despite the fact that they might squander it away, but you give anyway because you know that the Bible teaches kindness to the poor is alone to the Lord and He'll reward the lender, you're going to be seen as nonsensical. When you forgive somebody who absolutely wronged you and you welcome them back into your life, you're going to be called a doormat rather than a Christian. See, this is where it gets weird. So we bear His shame. We go love the unlovable. We hang out with the unhangoutable. That's a new word, hangoutable. Unhangoutable, that's a new word. The unwelcomable. We, we welcome the ones nobody else wants to welcome. That's pretty easy today. The church welcomes those who no one else wants to welcome. That's what we're supposed to be. To bear a shame. We're going to bear a shame when we do. So I mean, we don't have a what? Come on, we don't have a what? Permanent city Where? Williamsburg's not your home forever, bro. USA is not your home forever, bro and sis. Kingdom is. Let's not get our citizenship. But rather, we're looking for the city that still is to what? Still to come. I love this text. So let's offer up a sacrifice of praise to Him, which is the fruit of our lips that confess His name. Don't forget to do good. See, there it is all the time. It's all the time in the Bible, this idea of doing good to others. Don't forget to do good and to share what you have because God is pleased with these kind of sacrifices. Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is where? In heaven. We look forward to a Savior that comes from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you know, like a father with his own children, we encourage, comfort, and implore each one of you to live worthy of God who calls you into His own what? Kingdom of glory. Y'all see all this, right? Like you're seeing where it's going. Right? I've got like a million more verses. So instead, I'll just, yeah, see, that's what you were up for this morning. I know, don't judge me. <laughs> You're like, dog, Fred, why don't you put up the whole Bible? We'll start there. Revelation. By the way, it's not Revelations, right? It's Revelation. Everybody say, mm. Okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> Revelation. Everybody's like, I was reading Revelation the other day. There's one Revelation, all right? One. It's right here. All right. Then in between the throne, talking about the throne of God, and the four living creatures, which are angelic beings of some sort, and among the elders who represent the whole of the church, I saw a lamb standing as if it had been slain. It had seven arms and seven eyes. Seven is the word for infinity or complete, with all, which are God's seven spirits, which represents the Holy Spirit. Sent out into the world, to the whole earth, he came forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one seated on the throne, the Lamb did, who is Jesus. And he took the scroll from God the Father. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, 24 representing the double completeness of the whole church, fell down before the Lamb. Each held a harp and gold bowls of full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they took up a new song saying, say it with me. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And by your blood, you purchased for God persons from 
every tribe, language, people, and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they were ruled on earth. Here's what I'm trying to say. We have to know what it means to be children of the King and exercise our authority and power that God has given us as His children in acts of justice and love and mercy because that is our destiny. You don't have to be beat down by fear. You don't have to be beat down by selfishness. You don't have to be beat down by your past. You don't have to be beat down by your grades or by your paychecks. You are the child of the king of the universe. And every day you wake up, you and I make a conscious decision to either receive the kingdom that God is giving or to hold on to our own. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You wake up every morning and God's already present through His Spirit with His hands open, with the reign of His fullness offered to you. You just have to decide to what? To receive it. You and me, that's what we do. We wake up every morning to receive the kingdom. And then if you receive it, then you walk that day as a child of the King. So everywhere you are, God is. So for the teachers, when you're in the classroom, Christ is there. Oh my Lord, we did not kick God out of school. He's not that small. My, please let it go. Where a Christian is, God is present in the school, man. God wasn't like, well, I'd like to go in there, but you know, they locked me out. They passed some laws. He's there. He's with you in that moment right there. That is where Christ is. Your work doesn't keep God out of... God's there. If you're there at work, God's with you. God is present in your space because you're His kid. Now, here's the thing. Nobody may know because maybe some of us wake up with our hands already filled with other things. So we have nothing left to receive the kingdom. What does it mean? To be a per- to say, you know, today I know who I am and I know who as I am. I know who I am. I'm a chosen race. I'm a, I'm a holy nation. I'm a part of a holy nation. I'm a part of a royal priest. I'm a person for God's possession. I was called out of darkness into His marvelous light. And I'm going to to choose choose to live this way. I'm going to be a person of love in a world of hate. I'm going to be a person of of mercy in a world of malice. I'm going to be a person of compassion in a world of condemnation. I'm going to be a person of justice in a world of judgment. Here's what I need you to know. Why does this close out the series? Because in your full-bodiedness, in your bodies, whatever the pigmentation of skin your bodies have, in your bodies, God is present. And there's not an inch of your body that God doesn't love. When I was in high school, I was a size 29 britches. 29 in waist, that was my pants. Those who don't know, from the South, we call pants bridges. I'm not going to tell you what my size are now, but I'm going to tell you there's a lot more of me to love for the Lord. He loves every square inch of you just as you 
Body, full on life. See, God's godness finds its meaning and power for us in the context of real history and his embodied engagement with us as humans. And when we see Jesus, when we see God with skin on, God in a dark skinned Palestinian Jewish body, God coming to the world in a dark skinned Palestinian Jewish body. Male body, for that matter. It tells us of this togetherness and solidarity with all of us, male or female, regardless of the pigmentation of our kid's skin. God is for us. And Jesus is God's yes, his amen. Every single aspect of our whole self, our mind, our body, our soul, our heart. And he's at present and at work in every part of our humanity because He became human. Your brains, with all of His anxiety and ADHD and all of its wandering, Christ is present in that. Stop looking at that like it's a disability. It creates a new capability for you to see things others may not see. Christ is present and at work in that. Here's what I need you to know. God's redemption has no limits. His grace, no bounds. And His love, no end. Say it with me. God's redemption has no limits. There's nothing you're ever going to do and ever have done that God can't get in and redeem. God's grace has no bounds. Say it. You're never outside of the reach of God's grace. Never. There's no part of you that's outside of God's grace. And then say this, God's limit, or God's love has no end. And that is why the greatest of these, faith and hope, and love, is what? Love. So every week we gather. We gather around the table of the people of God. And we remember our identity. We remember. I just needed you to see this morning. I needed you to see that the kingdom of God is a thick, 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 thick thread in the fabric of Scripture. It was the gospel Jesus preached. It was the gospel the early church preached. And somewhere along the lines, it was the gospel we lost because we got caught up with going to heaven when we die or building big churches or whatever the case may be. We've got to recover the gospel of the kingdom of God that cares for the whole body, the whole humanity. And so I encourage you to remember that God is the king and you are his child and you are a child of the king. And everywhere you go, God is present in Christ. But if for some reason your feelings tell you otherwise, you can always trust that when Jesus makes a promise, he keeps it and he is with us at the Here's the thing I need you to please remember. There's a summons to this then. If you open your hands to the kingdom of God, you're going to have to live like it. You cannot split allegiances. If you hold on to your freedoms and entitlements more than you do your neighbor's well-being and concerns, you're missing the kingdom. If you place your hope in Cal Capitol Hill, 
and take away your hope from Calvary's hill, you could be missing the kingdom. If your way of life and my way of life would cause me to look at someone else with a different nationality, ethnicity, or skin color, and dehumanize them or brush them aside as if they're not made in the image of God, I'm sorry, but we may be missing the kingdom. Those are the implications of everything we talked about today, which is why the last text says this. When the Son of Man comes in His majesty and all His angels are with Him and He still he will sit on His majestic throne and all the nations will be gathered in front of Him and He will separate them, the nations and the people in them, each other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and He will put the sheep on His right side, but the goats He'll put on His left. And then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who will receive good things from My Father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then those who are just and righteous will reply to him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothes to wear? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will look at them and say, Man, I assure you, when you that, that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done it for me. This is the sign of the kingdom. This is the sign that the people of God do not play according to the rules of the world, that we play according to the ethics, the politics, and the rules of the kingdom. Because this is where the world is headed. And this is where we live. And this is the rule, the kingdom our king is king of. So come, receive the beauty and the blessedness of the kingdom.